0: Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would speak to us uh, through your words. Um, We pray that we'll not just be hearers of your word, but we'll be doers of your word as well. Uh, Help us to uh, glorify Christ in our hearing. And may Christ be glorified in the preaching of his word. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Colossians 4, verse 17. Now, King David, Jonah, Elijah, Queen Esther, John the Baptist. What do these names, biblical names, have in common? They're in the Bible, but what do they have in common? Well, all of them, at some point in their lives, and for different reasons, all of them needed to be reminded to serve God or continue to serve God. You see, the Bible teaches us that God saves us from sin and makes us his people in Christ so that we can live with him and serve him all the days of our life, not just on earth, but in heaven as well. Uh, if you are a true follower of Christ, God has blessed you with gifts, talents, Resources and opportunities so that you can use these things to support the advancement of the kingdom of Christ on earth. God's vision, God's plan is that the kingdom of this world would one day become the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the instrument he uses to do that, to accomplish that, is the advance and spread of the gospel. It's the work of the church and the work of believers around the world. It's this what we're doing here. And yet, if you are honest, all of us, like the people of God in the Bible, those I've mentioned, there are times we struggle to use our gifts, to use our talents, and to use our resources to advertise God, to promote His work on earth. Sometimes we run away from responsibilities, just like Jonah. Literally sometimes. Sometimes we are discouraged, like Elijah, even though God is blessing us. Sometimes we have questions about what Christ is up to in our lives. Like John the Baptist. Sometimes fear freezes us from serving like Queen Esther once felt. And of course there is sin, isn't there? Sin often stops us from serving like King David. No matter how long we have walked with Jesus... There is always some growing for us to do in this area of service. We can always grow, beloved, to serve God more. And if we're true followers of Christ, there is this inner desire in us. As you say stuff from Brother Rob's even praying and our brother Chidi praying. There's, there's, there's an inner desire in us to, to grow in serving God. We have a burning desire to be useful to him. If you never cry to the Lord, please, Lord, help me grow in living for you. You are either not a Christian or you have seriously vaccinated. Either way, come before God now. Come before God now. Cry out to God to have mercy on your soul. You are currently living as a person without God and without hope in the world as things stand your rebellious act that this heart that has no desire to serve god strongly indicates that you don't know god at all and you need to be saved from everlasting punishment in hell forever you need to be born again i mean you need to give You need God to give you a new spiritual heart and mind that will result in a new changed life that loves Jesus, that longs to serve Him. Unless you become born again, you will not enter heaven. You will perish in hell forever. Oh, friends, heaven is not for regular church attendees. Heaven is not for well-behaved people. It is not even for people who have been baptized. It's not even for church members. No, heaven is for people who were once dead in their sins and they have become alive. The Holy Spirit has breathed new life in them. These are people who have been regenerated. They have made spiritual life by the power of the Holy Spirit and this new life is transforming them and giving them new desire to live for God. Does this describe you this morning? Can you say today, I have asked God to forgive my sins based on the death of Jesus, and he has given me a new heart. Can you genuinely say, I have turned... My back on my old life of sin, because Christ has changed me inside out. I know that Christ lives in me. Well, if you can't say that, then you're not yet a true Christian. And if you die today, you 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 enter hell and face the full wrath and judgment of God. Oh, what a what a terrible thing to do to yourself! To sit in the church, to hear the gospel of Christ, preach in a Reformed Baptist church, wicked, can, wicked, to have it taught to you at home by your parents, and yet you are rejecting this serving message and embracing the chains of darkness in hell forever. To share eternity with Satan rather than God. Oh, friends. If you are not truly born again, come now. I beg you come now and beg the Lord Jesus to give you a new heart. We're not talking about being ticking boxes, a transformation from within. Once dead, now alive. Ask him, young and old, to save you from hell. You know, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming to judge the world. Be sure the Lord finds you on his side. Go to Christ. Repent of your sin. Take refuge in his wounds. Take refuge in his cross. Be born again. Now, all true Christians who are genuinely born again, have a burning desire to serve Christ. That's one of the evidence that we are born again. We know how lovely our Master is, and we want to promote his kingdom in the world. And if you're a true believer, you have asked yourself, How do I grow in using my God gifts, God given gifts, resources, and opportunities to promote the advancement of the kingdom of Christ on earth? And this morning we have come to a passage in Colossians that answers that question, that important question. Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. For well, he's coming to the end of this letter, and here is what he says to the Colossians. Colossians 4, 17, And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Now, I said, why? Since we looked at this letter, I think six, seven weeks or so ago now. So just a bit of context. Uh, in this verse, the Apostle Paul is giving his final instruction to the church at Colosse, and it's about a man called Archippus. This is the first time we're hearing of him in this letter. We don't actually know much about Archippus, but we know that he's one of the church leaders at Colosse, and we know that this church meets in the house of Philemon. We know that because Philemon 2 tells us, and we see then Philemon 2, Philemon verse 2, Paul greeting Philemon, and the woman called Appiah, and then he greets Archie. we might say, we might call him. He greets him and he says he's a fellow soldier. That's a high commendation from Paul, isn't it? Paul there publicly affirms Archippus as a man who has gone through blood, sweat, and tears in ministering for Christ, in sharing Christ. Now, I know some people go a bit further than that, right? They say Archie was apparently the son of Philemon and Apia. Just by reading that, the way it's, it's put there. And they build a whole teaching on it. Uh, we don't need to go there. I don't think there's any evidence for that. That's probably reading too much into the text. The only thing we know about Archipas is that he's a leader at, of the church at Colossus. One of the leaders there. And Paul wants the church to support him. And NC says in verse 17, And said to Archipas, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received. In the Lord, what is Paul teaching us here? Well, the key truth Paul is teaching us in verse seventeen is actually on your outline here. It is teaching us. Paul is teaching us this: we grow in serving Christ by reminding one another that it is a privilege to serve Christ. That's a key truth I want us to look at today. We grow in serving Christ. How do we grow in serving Christ? We grow in serving Christ by reminding one another. That it is our privilege to save Christ. That serving Christ is a privilege. You see, we live in a world where we are forced to choose between being yourself and being the same as everyone else. That's the choice we seem to be facing in the world. Being an individual or being in community. The world seems to say you can't have one or the other. You've got to choose, right? Well, the Bible says we don't have to choose. Because when we surrender to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, God forgives us all our sins, past, present, and future. The blood of Jesus, which was shed on the cross, cleanses anyone who truly repents and trusts in Jesus, right? Christ serves them. He forgives them all their sins. That We call that, God declares them right. We call that justification, don't we? And that's a technical name. But there's another thing that happens, which I call familification, right? God transfers us from living under the family of the devil to living in the family of God in Jesus. He adopts us into his family. God is now our father. And all true followers of Christ are now our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's why I like to say, bit, I say brother, brother, brother. Oh, um, Sister Tale or something. I-, I say that, it just reminds me, doesn't it, of the relationship I enjoy with these people. It's just a thing I do, and it's good that some of you do that as well. It just reminds, it reminds me of the justification I have before God and the familification I enjoy in Christ. And see, because we are one family, we are now responsible for one another. Yes, we are still individuals, Uh, So we are responsible to God individually, right? And yet at the same time, we are responsible to God for each other. And one of the areas we are responsible for each other for is encouraging each other to serve. God has given each of us gifts, opportunities, and resources to promote the work of Christ on earth. And we are meant to help each other grow in doing this. Serving the Lord is a community project, we might say. It's something that all of us are meant to help one another with. No one does their Christian journey on their own. God hasn't designed it like that. It's designed that you should invest to help others grow in their work, and they invest in you to grow in your work with the Lord in serving him. And we see this responsibility, this shared responsibility, in the command Paul gives the church at Colossae to help Archipas do the work God has called him to do there in verse the 17. And said to Archipas, as a command to the church, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Now, a few years ago, I read an article in the Daily Mail. Uh, th- that said, one in, one in two of us failed to finish our DIY jobs. It's a very famous study. I've mentioned it before. Apparently, Londoners and men are the worst culprits. They start, they, they don't finish. right? Apparently, if you live in the West Midlands and you're a woman, yeah, you, you, once you start, you're going to finish it. right? But if you're in London, if you're, if you're in Kent, London, Kent, and you're a man, most likely, uh, yeah. If if you're married, your wife knows you're not going to finish that. (laughs) One gentleman said, I wanted to add a loft insulation to my house because it was getting cold in the winter, but I gave up halfway through it. It was just incredibly dull, boring, and unpleasant. So I got fed up and just left the job after. Now, we all tend to start off things right, right? We start off right. And then somehow we give up, don't we? And we move on to something else. Or so, oh, we do it, but we fail to finish properly. Sometimes we, are, we, we need to finish jobs we are doing properly, isn't it? But sometimes we don't do that. We rush the job. Paul does not want Archie to save Christ like a bad DIY job. He wants Archiepas to... He wants the church to help Archiepas to fulfill... And the word there literally means complete or finish. See that Archippus fulfills the ministry, completes the ministry, right? This is an encouragement to the church to help Archippus do his work. Use his talents. Use his responsibilities for the glory of God. Now, this brings us to the first obvious question. Why does Paul believe Archippus needs to be reminded by the church to continue serving God till the work is done? That's the first question we have to ask and answer. Is Brother Archie slack, slacking off? Is he becoming lazy? It's possible. Is it old age? Has Brother Archie reached retirement age and think, it's time to hang up my serving boots. I've served God for 50 years, so I think I've put time in now. Time for me to do me now. Is that what he's thinking? Or is it the opposition? Perhaps he's facing opposition at the church at Colossae. And maybe he's being discouraged. And maybe this statement is sort of an indirect rebuke to the church. You've got a man who wants to serve the Lord here. Go on, help him to fulfill the ministry. Could it be that perhaps Archippus is a young church elder and maybe he's just getting overwhelmed by the demands of ministry and he's thinking of giving up? Well, the simple answer is we just don't know. We just don't know. There's nothing in this passage that necessarily implies Archippus is doing something bad or the church is doing something bad. That's why Archippus needs to be encouraged. It just says, see, fulfill your responsibility, tells the church, to ensure that, see that, tell Archipas to see that he fulfills the ministry that he has received in the Lord. Right? There's nothing in this person that gives us a reason why Archipas needs to be encouraged. God the Holy Spirit, who inspired the Apostle Paul to write verse 17, has decided to leave the reasons unknown to us. And I think that is the point of verse 17. The point of verse 17 is this. This verse is here in the Bible to teach us that every follower of Jesus has moments in their lives when they need to be reminded to continue serving God. All of us do. You know, some followers of Christ need to be reminded to continue serving, to serve God, to even start serving God. Because they are currently not living to promote Christ. They are living for themselves. Perhaps they have a gift to plan, organize, and administer things with ease. That's a gift. That is a gift. But they're not using this gift to support the work of God in the church or a place where God has blessed them. Maybe God has blessed them with good health. That's a gift. Just having good health, it's a gift. I can tell you that because I was at a funeral on Wednesday. Death occurs when you lose your health. So having good health is, is, is a gift from God. Time will come when you... I was thinking about this this week. Time will come when you won't be able to walk. When you won't be able to hear well. Or even see well properly. Now, you have it all, some of you. But you are not using your tongue to speak the gospel. You are not using your ability to hear, to spend time with an elderly saint that needs listening to. Or someone who's suffering in the church that can do with you just being there for an hour with them, just hearing them. You're not doing that. A time will come when you won't be able to hear it, to do any of that. Now you're wasting that good health God has given you. So some needs encouragement because they are not using what God has given them at all. These brothers and sisters need to be reminded that they are living in a way that opposes Christ. And if they keep living like that, well, it perhaps shows they are not regenerated at all. But if they are regenerated, there will come a time when they must give an account to God for wasting all that he has invested in them. So some followers of Christ need to be reminded because they are not serving at all. Some followers of Christ are serving God, but they feel discouraged in their work for Christ. And they need to be reminded to keep on serving. Perhaps they are working hard to raise their children in a way that honors God. And they are doing this in a culture that is sending children literally to hell. But the parents have decided, we we want to shepherd our children to know Christ. And this is costing them, you see. And because they can't see the results, they're perhaps feeling discouraged. I'm doing all of this. uh, But nothing seems to be showing up for it. And, And they're becoming overwhelmed. They need encouragement. See that you fulfill the ministry at home that you have received. Or perhaps they have been pouring their life to support another believer. But after tons of effort, the person they are discipling is no longer interested. And they are feeling discouraged. They are thinking to themselves, I wish I hadn't wasted so much of my time. Or perhaps I am not gifted for this. Next time, I'll just, next person, I'll just pass. They need to hear verse 17. They need us to say to them, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. So there are people who are not serving and needs to be encouraged to serve and there are people who are serving and they are discouraged for whatever reason and they need our encouragement. They need us to remind them to keep fulfilling their ministry in the Lord. So how are we meant to do this? How do we do this? That's the second question. Well... How does Paul expect the Colossians to help Archippus grow in serving Christ? And the word of God is amazing because the answer is right in front of us there in verse 17. Do you see it? And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received. you, You have received. It doesn't end there. In the Lord. The key phrase here is in the Lord. Paul wants the Colossians to remind Achipas that he must save Christ because he is in the Lord. Because it is his privilege in being in the Lord. Several years ago, the, the car Insurance Company, Privilege, you remember that one? They ran a series of adverts. The adverts were fronted by um, the celebrity Joanna Lumley. Right? And, the, and what, the, what the advert did was that it showed how the upper class live. fox hunting. Ah, that's interesting, isn't it? Elegant parties, large mansions, and even having house servants. And you know, the advert always ended with the slogan, with privileged car insurance, you don't have to be posh to be privileged. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> that's really good. But I could never really warm up to the advert because, you see, getting car insurance has never felt like a privilege to me. (laughs) I have car insurance because I have to, right? But sadly, that is how many of us who profess faith in Christ feel sometimes when it comes to the issue of using our gifts, using our talents, and using our resources to advance the kingdom of God. Let's Let's be honest, friends. Sometimes serving Christ can feel like an obligation. But we must remember this is the opposite of what Paul thinks Archie should feel. He wants Archie to, to, to sense the privilege of being in Christ. Serving is our privilege in Christ. Now, I know the word privilege is not in verse 17. But I think, as I said, it captures well the reason that Paul gives at the end for why Archiepas must fulfill the ministry. And said to Archipas, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord." Paul is saying to the church at Colossae, this is a command to the church, not to watch us. right? He's saying to the church at Colossae, "You need to remind Archie that he is not just doing any work, he has this ministry because he is in the Lord, He is in Christ. Archie is in the Lord, that is to say, he is now under the realm and control of Christ." That was someone number two, by the way, uh, in, in this series in Colossians, right? Right? So, so under the, that's what it means to be in Christ. Under the realm and control of Christ. Archie shares life with Christ. He's a true believer in union with Christ. Before he knew Christ, Archie used to live under the dominion of the evil one. But by the gracious mercy of God, as Paul has said in chapter 1, he has delivered Archie from the domain of darkness and transferred him in, into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Archie's spiritual postcode has changed. He's no longer under the dark domain. He's now in the kingdom of light. He has been placed in the Lord. In Christ the Lord. Being in the Lord is a glorious privilege, isn't it? Because of who we are by nature. Rotten sinners. Served only by the grace of God through Christ. It is also a privilege because of the Lord, who the Lord Jesus Christ is. He is big Jesus, as we called him, when we looked at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. We saw there that he is the creator of all things. In him all things all together, verse 17 of chapter 1. We saw that he is the head of the church. He He is the preeminent one. He is Jesus, the sustainer and Lord of all things. It is this Christ who has made Archie and all believers spiritual citizens. It is him who has given us the privilege of being saints. We said that in chapter, two, in chapter 1 verse 2. Set apart to live for God. To serve the king. And Paul says to the Colossians in verse 17. And said to Archipas, See that you fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. He is saying to them, Remind Archie what a great honor it is to be a believer. What a great honor it is to be, to be appointed to serve the Lord. And here is the key point. And this is the key point of verse 17. Yes, Archie should know that. You should know that. But it is the job of the church to remind Archie that. It's the job of the church to remind you that. How do do we encourage each other to serve? We must preach the gospel of privilege in Christ to one another. And as Archie is reminded of this glorious weight, of this privilege in Christ in the Lord, he will be motivated to fulfill his ministry, isn't he? He will have a new compassion to keep serving Christ. Not out of obligation, but out of the overflowing joy and gratitude of being in the Lord. Even in the middle of suffering. He will serve with joy because remembering he is in Christ will remind him that Christ has not called him to do things by himself, to rely on himself. No. If, if the calling is in the home, if the calling is in the, in the workplace, if the calling is in the community, Archie must rely on Christ. Archie must draw resources from Christ because he is not by himself. He is not on his own anymore. He has been bought with a price. Not only bought for salvation, but bought to live in union with Christ. So why depend on yourself? No, it's going to depend on Christ. All true followers of Christ are in Christ. And that means Christ provides all the help we need in every situation we are in. That's Colossians chapter 2, isn't it? Verse 9 to 10. We looked at that. There's a whole sermon on that. You can look it up online. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 to 10, if you've forgotten it. It says this. It's one of my favorite verses in in all of Colossians. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. We looked at that message in one of the evening sermons. Right? And we said this. that Paul is saying, what true followers are in him, in Christ. We are in the Lord. In Christ Jesus our Lord, who is very God of very God. Our God robbed in our humanity. We now share life with the triune God in Christ. The, 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 the body of Christ is a is, is temple of God, we might even say, in whom we commune with God. And so being in Christ, being in union with Christ, we are now full and filled to the brim in him. We lack nothing in him. And we can truly say with King David, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and honor, my salvation. He, He is my stronghold because I am in him. Yes, serving Christ sometimes feels impossible for us. But because we are in the Lord, we can do it by his strength. Not relying on us, but relying on the strength that Christ provides. Christ provides all we need to serve Him. And our responsibility is to remind each other to keep remembering this truth. To keep remembering that it is a privilege to serve Christ. We are in the Lord and He provides everything we need. So that's the key truth that Paul is teaching us in this verse. Right? That's the key truth he's teaching us. The key truth is simply this. We grow in serving Christ by reminding each other it is a privilege to serve Christ. Now, we can end that because we've learned the truth. But I think we have to ask one more question and then we'll end. Uh, mindful of the heat uh, that you are feeling, I'm sure. It, it, the question we should always ask is this. There's no point of just taking this stuff intellectually. We need to ask ourselves this question. What are we meant? What is Paul expecting us to do with this truth? What is God expecting us to do with this truth? What are we meant to do? With this truth as a church. Yes, we know that we are meant to remind each other, and it's a privilege, because to remind each other it is a privilege to serve. Him. So what do we do with that? Well, of, we need to do it, but is there anything more we need to do? Well, if you're a true Christian, let me just give you four important ways you should respond to this truth right away. And they are there on your outline. And I'll be quick. First, thank Christ for the opportunity to partner with him. Thank Christ for giving you the opportunity to partner with him to support his family, the church, by encouraging people around you to save Christ. You know, the Lord Jesus does not need your help. The Lord Jesus does not, is not begging you to help him. He does not need you to accomplish his purposes in the life of anyone. He is not desperate to, for you to be used in any shape or form. I know you think you're something, but before him, actually, you're nothing. He's God. All that you have is by his grace to you. Christ does not need your words of encouragement to the sister or brother sat next to you this morning. You know, you cannot stop the purposes of God being accomplished in the life of his children. Christ desires and commands you to support his children but it does not need anything from you. It does not involve you in these things. He has not prepared this message because he's desperate for you to get involved. The Lord commands you to support his children because he loves you. He loves you. That's why he wants to bless you by working in you to bless his children. This is love. The God who doesn't need anything graciously involves you in his work. What a blessing. So he could work in you to accomplish his purposes. Are you thankful for that privilege? Are you thankful for that? Thank Christ. Right away, beloved, right now, quietly in your heart, give Christ thanks for making you his co-worker. His workmanship, right? His co-worker for involving you in, in, in building up his people for the glory of his name. That's if you just do really verse 8 to 10, isn't it? So, thankfulness. Secondly, repentance. Repent, friend. Repent. If you do anything today, you must leave this place repentant. What I mean by that is you are going in one direction... Now you must turn around into the other direction. Repent this morning of your constant failure to encourage other followers of Jesus in using their gifts and opportunity to promote the work of God. Repent that you don't make it your business to encourage the person next to you to use their gifts, their resources, and opportunities to serve Christ. Confess this morning that sometimes you are lazy And self-focused in how you relate to other believers. The believers that Christ has put next to you in your life. Repent that you do not give yourself to encourage or disciple those who need to grow in following Christ in this church. In using their gifts and opportunity to serve Him. Confess, friend, be honest, be honest. Confess that you dress your in your sin of laziness unselfishness in thousands of elegant excuses. You always have an excuse for, what, for why you're not doing what God has called you to do. You always have an excuse for being sinful. Oh, beloved, repent of that. Will your reason why you could not spare a moment to pray with a discouraged brother really stand up on the day of judgment? Will Christ hear your plea of ignorance of why you did not lovingly challenge a sister to repent of their neglect of attending evening worship? Let's be serious with our God. We must repent. And let us repent that we do not always make a great effort to support those who are laboring in the ministry of the word Amen. I almost didn't want to mention this. But I think it's it's the right, I hope you take it in the right way. I'm not asking for encouragement. In fact, I'm pleading that we would encourage our Sunday school teachers. They are laboring so hard to teach our children. But are we going to them? Are we going alongside them to say, thank you so much for the work you are doing. I'm praying for you. How can I pray for you? How can I support you to fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord? Let's repent that we are not quick to be here in midweek Bible study. To show the person who is teaching us that we value their labor for the kingdom of God. We will always have the thousands of excuses for not being here. I'm making this point because Paul does not just expect the Colossians to say verbally to Archipas, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord, and then they are behaving differently. No, he expects them to match their ways to Archipas with practical encouragement to Archipas. He, he expects them to show Archipas that they value his ministry, even as they say to him. Third, invest. Invest in growing and appreciating the blessing of being in the Lord. You need to invest in knowing the value of being in the Lord so that you can remind others, people around you, to serve out of this deep sense of privilege. If you don't value the privilege of being in the Lord, how are you going to encourage another sister to serve out of the privilege of being in the Lord? We can only take people where we have been. Have you heard that? We can only take people. Parents, listen to me. We can only, thank you. We can only take our children where we have been. Wives, we can only take our husbands where we have been. Singular husband, you know what I mean, right? Where we have been. I always get the English wrong there, Right? So, we ourselves have to value this privilege if you're going to encourage others to sense the privilege. If you want others to grow in remembering serving in Christ is our privilege, because we need to truly believe this. Keep reminding yourself that you have a wonderful supernatural life in Christ. A life which, though we are on earth, we are spiritually safe in Christ. A life in which us vow and angry sinners have been cleansed and set apart to serve the king of kings, to be his faithful saints now and forever. A life in which Christ our king provides all the abundant love and grace we need so that we can flourish with him in whatever situation we are in. In this life or in death, he is always with us in this life and in the world to come. Our life in Jesus is an upside life, isn't it? It's a life in which God invites us to live for His Son Jesus, to serve Him not in our strength, but through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. So keep reminding yourself of these things. Read it daily in the Word as Brother pray prayed. Encourage those who teach in the church to keep reminding you of this truth. Finally, prayer and we'll end. Let us pray, isn't it? Let us pray. T- Pray to God to make you willing and humble. It's a specific prayer. Willing and humble to be counseled and helped by other brothers and sisters in the church. I'm flipping this a little bit here now, right? It is true the burden of this passage is on the church at Colosse, not on Achi, right? The command is being given to the church to help Archipas grow in Christ. I know that. But there's an underlying assumption there, isn't there? The command by Paul assumes that Archipas will listen to the church. You can have a whole sermon on that, I'm sure. It does. It doesn't matter what the church says. If it doesn't listen, it won't do that. So Paul is taking for granted Archipas will listen to the church. In the same way, all of us need to be willing to allow this fellowship to help us. This is difficult for us. We like being, putting up a front. We like to have a representative, as it were, (laughs) in front of us, meeting the other person, right? We don't show our true self, right? We are always on Sunday morning behaving like PR agents, right? We just, oh, it's well, yeah, I'm doing fine. That's how we are, right? Life is okay. Admitting that we need help goes against our fallen nature. Funny enough, though, the culture is about saying they need help all over the place. I think we can learn something from that. Honestly, on that one, I think we can. So, this morning, pray to God to give you a a heart that's willing to admit that you need help. Because you know you need help. You're a sinner. Pray to God to give you a willing heart that, that gladly receives correction and goes beyond that, a heart that seeks it out. Oh, what a wonderful thing it would be if each person in this church not only was willing to admit that they needed correction, but they sought it out. Where do I need to repent? Where am I going wrong? Where do you need to rebuke me? Oh, wow. That would be be amazing, isn't it? Because that would show that we're longing to be more and more like Christ. Oh, well, may the Lord help us to thank Christ, repent of sin, invest in growing and appreciating being in Christ, and help us to pray to God to make us willing to be helped by others. Amen.